0: New Community Church, which is the same church that Dave and Liz go to, which is a real gift to be part of a church with them. What an incredible interview. Thanks for all your wisdom and insight. I could listen to you for hours. Um, And thankfully, in CUP, I get to do that. So that's great. Fantastic. When I was a student, I gave my life to Jesus. And when I'd been a Christian for just a few months, I was... um, in this show and as part of this show i went to drama school we all had to share a bit of our story and so i'm like well fantastic i'm just going to share the truth my story what's happened in my life and so i start sharing about how i had a friend who died and when he died that's what made me think about life and death and made me consider my mortality and whether i believed that there was something more after i died and ultimately i came to believe that Jesus really is real and is true that Christ died and was raised to new life so that I could know life in him. That's, that's what was true. So I told this story and I'm sharing this and all the other girls are sharing about their stories and we're sort of trying to devise a show about our stories. And after one of these rehearsals where I'd shared about my friend, a guy called Ross came up to me and he was our stage manager. And he said, Hi, Catherine. I loved hearing you share about your friend, and I'm I'm really sorry that that's happened to you. I'm actually a spiritualist, and I would love to throw you a seance so that you can talk to your friend. I'd love to do that to help you out. And I was like, oh, Ross, that's really kind of you. I don't want a seance, but I'd love to talk to you about Jesus, and I'd love to share a bit about what God has done in my life. And he was like, yeah, sure. And so we went for a series of coffees and I started talking to him about Jesus and said, you know, what about this seance stuff in your life? And we had lots of good spiritual conversations and I said to him, why don't you come along to church? And so he did and he actually came to a baptism of another student that he knew who was also at the drama school and he's like, wait, that guy's a Christian as well. That's crazy. And we baptised that student and then Ross was like, you know what, I'm going to do an alpha course because I think there might actually be something in this so then he met more Christians and he met the guy who was doing who was the student worker at the time called Nick and Nick was really on Ross's level and they would just talk about all these questions he had what about this what about this what about this and at the end of the alpha course Ross came up to me and he said that's it I am a Christian. I believe it. I'm a Christian. And I was like, that's fantastic. Do you know what that means? You're going to have to like leave all the seance stuff behind. Yeah, no, I am a Christian. I believe it. And on the day that Ross got baptized, he described it as like a light switch went on. All of the connection that he had with darkness, with that dark spiritual world, he had no connection to it anymore. A light came on. Even if he wanted to try, he couldn't because a light had come on in his life. Now that was quite a few years ago. Ross is still a part of our church. He's part of mine and John's small group, our community group. And you know what's incredible about Ross's story? We were talking about just sharing faith and persecution and getting pushback for our faith in our community group. And Ross was like, I feel that from my mum. She's still involved in that spiritual world. And I don't feel like I can really talk about my faith at home. It's a really awkward situation. We're like, well, we'll pray for you. So he goes home and he says to his mum, and you don't know Ross, but in a very Ross way, something along the lines of, I feel persecuted by you, which um, (laughs) with my mum, wouldn't go down well. With Ross's mum, she goes, all right, well, I'll come to church with you then. <laughs> great. So a few weeks ago, Ross's mum came to church for the first time, which was fantastic. She walks through the doors and she's like, This is great. And then she came to the pub with us afterwards. And you know what? Last week, Ross didn't come to church, but his mum did. And she spoke to someone who's also in our community group, who's in their 60s and they started sharing life and she prayed for her and all of that. And Ross's mum hasn't become a Christian yet, but she's on a journey. And Ross took that step of obedience to share his faith with his mum and to say, I want you to come and experience what I've experienced. This thing that is so, so real. It's amazing what God does. And I don't just share this story because it's an evangelistic story and it's quite encouraging. And I want to inspire you to know that you can share your faith with your very ordinary everyday life. Whatever situation you're in, you're probably not a drama school. Wherever you are, you can share your faith. I don't just share it to make that point, although that is a good point. I share it because what just happened over the past few minutes has been happening since the beginning of humanity. There is lots about our generation, I'm 27, that is different from generations before. And some of the older generations look at our generation and go, I don't know what to do with them, that's crazy, I I just don't understand the social media and all of this. They're just so different and their views are different and the way they interact are different. But something that is true about our generation and every generation is that we are a story telling people. We love stories. When I tell that story, when Lewis told his story, something in the room comes alive, doesn't it? We're gripped, and what happened next? That's your real life. That's the story that God's writing that you're joining in on. It's fantastic. Stories bring us to life. And Jesus knows that. And that is why Jesus taught and told incredible stories. Throughout the Bible, we see story after story of Jesus just coming in, understanding the cultural narrative, and then disrupting it with a story. He doesn't just go, point one, point two, point three, that's it, you're wrong, turn around, change your life. No, he goes, let me tell you a story so that you might understand something more. And it invites people in. And it disrupts the story that people are living in and says, there is a better, countercultural, marvelous, incredible kingdom story that you are invited into. And that's the best thing about Jesus's stories. They're not just stories to listen to and go, oh, that's very nice. That's nice that happened in your life, Catherine. I'll never do that. No, Jesus's story is a story with open arms. It says, come on in. You're part of this story and I'm writing the story of your life. Come and dive in. So let's start by reading one of Jesus' stories, right? Let's go to Luke 15. And we've read quite a bit of the Bible today. I've been impressed. We've tracked some Bible. And I just want to remind you, because this can be quite ordinary. When we open this up, hopefully, you know, most days you're opening this up every day, sitting before God. But it can become quite an ordinary thing. But let's just wake up to the reality that when we open up the Word of God, something incredible is happening. It's not just an ordinary natural thing. No, there's a spiritual reality to what we're doing. The Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. When we read it, we understand who God is and so who we are we find our identity through reading the Word of God. And so let's just remember that as we read this story. So Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you Having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance or who do not repent. And so a crowd has gathered round to listen to Jesus. And you can hear, Jesus can hear the Pharisees muttering, Else they do, muttering away, going, do you know who he hangs out with? Do you know who he invites into his home? Do you know who he eats with? And what they're really saying is, if he was who he says he is, if he really was an upstanding religious leader, he wouldn't be hanging out with people who don't follow God. He wouldn't be hanging out with these people who are Dirty, who are outcasts of society. He'd cared more about his reputation than that. But Jesus is so secure in his identity. He's not faced by their mutterings. Of course not. He knows that he doesn't need to to worry about how people reflect on him by who he associates with, absolutely not. Jesus knows that he came for the sick, for those who need a doctor, for the downtrodden, for the rejected, for the messed up, for those whose lives scream bad news. So he's not worried about that and he doesn't direct the Pharisees directly and go, I don't care about what you think about me. No, of course not. He directs it to the shepherds and he says, let me tell you a story. And he starts telling this story about a little lost sheep. And I've always read this story wrong, if I'm honest. But I've got a friend who grew up on a farm. And I text her earlier this week. And I just said, I just need to fact check something with you. Because I just want to make sure that I am saying the right thing. Can you ask your dad, who's had done sheep farming, what he thinks about this story? And I've always preached it, that the shepherds would have gone Oh, that's ludicrous. How countercultural. I wouldn't leave my 99 to go after the one. But my friend's dad, who's a farmer, says, no. Actually, the farmers would have totally understood this as a very ordinary example in their lives. They would go looking for that one sheep, and they would have invited their neighbors in and said, has my sheep just run off into your field, like, do you know where my sheep is? And then when they found the sheep, they would have called their neighbors and their other shepherd friends together and gone, "Come on, let's celebrate together, let's rejoice." I mean, it might not have been a big, as big as the party that Jesus describes, but they would have celebrated together that this sheep had come home. And so the countercultural thing isn't that a shepherd would go and find a sheep. The countercultural thing is that Jesus speaks to the shepherds and says, you know what it is to be a good shepherd. And your notion of what God is like is wrong. God is that good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And just like you would go looking for your sheep, God goes looking for you You might think that you have to do all these things to get to God, that you have to make a way to him. But no, the good shepherd is the one who pursues you. He comes after you. What? Even the sheep who's wandered out of the flock, even the sheep that's done the wrong thing, that's wandered off, that's all alone, that's vulnerable. Yes, the good shepherd goes looking for that sheep. And that is what Jesus does. And I don't think our society is too different, actually. There are lots of cultural differences, but the heart there, I don't think we're that different. When I look at people in our generation, I see in so many of them a view of God, or what they call the universe, that is I have to do something to get this. Whether it's manifesting, if I think this enough, if I write this down as many times, if I manifest my reality, it will happen. I am God and I have to create my future. Or whether it's karma, I'm going to do all these good things and then this will happen to me. Ah, that's a really great thing. You're going to have good things happen to you. If I do this, I get this. No, or whatever the superstitions are, my mum would believe in touching wood for good luck. My mum told me that once when I was a kid and I smashed a mirror, she's like, oh, well, that's it. You're cursed for seven years now. I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do till I'm 14? I'm cursed. Oh, great. Here we go. We have all these weird superstitions, and it's all about us trying to make a way to God. But the truth is he's the good shepherd. He's come to us and he's come to my generation. He's come to our generation to seek and save the lost. And I think that there aren't that many actual atheists in our generation. We all sort of have, well, they all sort of have this eclectic spirituality. And I was scrolling on Instagram the other day and saw this stupid video of this woman singing away in a manger very badly. And the caption to the video was, all of the atheism leaving my body when the plane goes through turbulence. And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. And I was just interested to see whether my friends who don't know Jesus would relate to this video. And so I shared it on my story. I created a little poll and I said, like, do you relate to this? Do you not? Do you, you, know, do you pray like this? And I was shocked with how many people said, yeah, that's me. I I just start praying. I totally relate to that video. When my plane goes through turbulence, that's it. God exists. I'm not an atheist anymore. (laughs) And later that day, after I posted that video, and I'd sort of seen these responses coming in, but no one had sort of interacted with me online. It was just, you know, clicking yes. I went to the gym, and after my gym class, the owner of the gym, who's this, like, quite scary, beefy lad, came up to me, and he was like, Cufferin'. I was like, yeah. He's like, you really made me think. I was like, oh, did I? Really? I'm thinking, what did I do in that class? Oh no. He said, your Instagram thing, yeah, it really made me think. Sorry, he doesn't sound anything like this, but we're gonna we're just gonna keep going with this. <laughs> Poor Lewis. Yeah, you really made me think you did. Yeah, like because I I do that. When I'm on a plane, I do that, I pray. I was like, well, what do you pray? He's like I don't know like god don't let me die. <laughs> anyway, you made me think. Thank you. Have a very nice day. See you later. Are you come in tomorrow. Yeah. Bye. Okay. See ya. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And as I said, when I was I wasn't raised as a Christian. I had this eclectic spirituality. And I was probably like a lot of your friends, a lot of your neighbors A lot of your colleagues that you are trying to share the good news of Jesus with I was super liberally minded if I'd been in this room for the panel before I knew Jesus oh my goodness I would have disagreed with everything that was said 100% I was so anxious about the world and the future of humanity. I was so eco-conscious, but because I was terrified of climate change and what was happening, and I felt like I need to do something to control this so that we can live and my kids can live. Maybe I shouldn't have kids. Maybe that's a bad thing to do. And I'd been in one long-term relationship, and that was with a girl. And the gender stuff hadn't hit quite yet, but if it had, I would have just thought what society thought because that is the way That I'd lived, and that is the way my whole life had worked up until I met Jesus. And on the outside, I might have looked like someone. No, I I did look like someone that was close to the gospel. That would have run a mile if you told me gospel claims. But inside, I was a person of peace. I was being pursued by Jesus I was ready to receive the good news and I'm so glad that someone shared it with me because I gave my life to Jesus and my world was turned upside down and things that I'd been passionate about I wasn't passionate about I was passionate about other things the ways that I'd lived totally changed things that I thought and my views on things changed and God took some of my passions and went that's a good thing. But I want to redeem that and turn that into something better for the kingdom of God. And that is what Jesus wants to do with your friends. He came to seek and save the lost. He came for the sick. He came for the ones whose lives scream bad news. So your friends that you think they are the hardest person to the gospel, their life, their behavior, their exterior, their veiled atheism and all of that screams, they will not respond to the gospel. That's Is who Jesus came for and I think in our generation our society has encouraged people to become the lost sheep they've said you don't need fences you don't need boundaries get out there you're gonna find who you really are when you wander away from those fences you go be that sheep and not in community You don't find your identity there. No, you find your identity within the wilderness of your own heart alone. And to this generation, they've said, go out little lost sheep, and you will not find ultimate truth anywhere apart from within here. And to that generation, Jesus says what he has always said. And he says this in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep, and I have other sheep. They're not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He sought you out when you were lost, and he's seeking your friends out. Christ laid his life down He died. He was raised to new life so that you can know freedom. Not freedom that you find within here. That's not real freedom at all. It's never going to make you free. But freedom in Christ. Freedom from trying to do good to get good. Freedom from trying to be God and trying to make your destiny and make your future work and make it all happen and make the world a better place. Freedom from that. Freedom from trying to be heard and seen because when you're living for God, when you're living for an audience of one, who else do you want to be heard or seen by? He's the only one that matters. God is sovereign. He has a good plan for your life. You don't need to make your own future. He has got good things for you and you are living a distinctly different story to your friends and the beauty of evangelism is that the pressure is off Jesus does the saving you do the sharing you're just learning how do I tell Jesus's beautiful story to my generation we've got so many methods and modes of storytelling what about if we found a way to communicate Jesus's beautiful, marvelous earth and world-shattering story to the people that we know. We have the opportunity to do that. Jesus does the saving, you just do the sharing. Let's invite our friends in to the story that we're living. Share good news stories far and wide. And that is what we are going to do. So before we break into lunch, I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna get into small groups and we're gonna tell each other about a time where we shared our faith, no matter what the outcome. And then we're gonna pray for some people by names. So you're gonna share some names of people that you're sharing faith with, and then you're gonna pray for them in your groups. But before I pray, I would also say, if you feel like you have a specific call for evangelism on your life, And you've been listening to this talk, and you're like, that is so exciting. I wanna learn how to share my faith. I I feel like I'm an evangelist. I'd love to pray for you. There'll be some other people who who would love to pray for you. So if that is you, I'd love you just to go stand over there and we'll lay hands and pray for you. I remember when I was a student, it was actually in a meeting like this that someone did that call, and I stood up and said, I think I'm an evangelist. And it just commissioned me into just being bold. Not that it qualified me or made me any better or anything like that, but just being filled by the Holy Spirit and just having someone confirm over me, yeah, you are an evangelist. Go and do this stuff. Meant that then I was like, yeah, let's go do this stuff. Let's go share good news and see people saved. This is fantastic. So. You're going to get into little groups. You're going to share good news stories, pray for people. But if you feel like you've got a specific call for evangelism on your life, head over there and we'll pray for you. But Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your wonderful kingdom story. I thank you, Lord, that we've been invited in because of your life, because of your death. We have been invited in to go on this adventure with you. We know, Lord, we can't save anyone. We're not under any impression that we can. But Lord, thank you so much for choosing us to go on an adventure with you that we might share. We might have the privilege of sharing this story that has changed our lives forever. And God, we just ask, won't you save our friends? Give us opportunity, save our friends, save this generation, make this generation a generation set apart for you, Lord Jesus. Radically transform us from the inside out so that we might be carriers of your light, salt to this world, God. We long for it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.